gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stompers. Stompers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. I honestly thought it was one of the best practices I'd ever seen Mitch Trubisky have in training camp. Before that moment. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I feel like that mistake by Trubisky is worthy of shifting your meter. And Foles wasn't that impressive today. Now, here they are. The Adams, Hogan Johns. Well, two weeks from today, as we record this on Sunday morning, Bear season will begin. Still wearing uh, the shirt I see from uh, practice on Saturday. Uh-huh. Yeah, I am. You don't want to change? No, I... I, uh, I don't want to shower? General hygiene, not important? This is how committed I am to Sylvie Strong. I just wear this shirt all the time. <laughs> that shirt must be strong. It's very strong. We sent it right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. It was Saturday, so I went from uh, working to having a couple cocktails and uh, went to bed and woke up, and now we're doing this podcast. That's all. Yeah, yeah. I may have not helped the polish off a nice bottle of red last night. Last open practice. We had to celebrate somehow, right? Yes, yes. Uh, but hey... Two weeks, two weeks from the opener in Detroit, which I feel optimistic is actually going to happen on time. So hopefully it stays that way. But uh, there's a lot to discuss here. You're welcome in Hogan Johns with you and uh, a big scrimmage at Soldier Field yesterday that we attended. And we'll have thoughts on that. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Our producer is Kent Garrison. You can read it, me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Got quarterback observations up there for you. The last QB report, the last day the meter will be updated, Johns, until, I mean, I guess we can update the meter whenever a decision is made. But, hey, according to Matt Nagy, we're not going to know until the Lions game. Yeah, yeah, I love the game and ship. Um, maybe Tuesday when we ask Nagy about how Trubisky's day went. And this this is going to continue into uh, this coming week. Maybe he will reveal something, but... Hey, keep it around, man. No reason to get rid of the meter yet. Give it one oh, more no. week. We, uh, but it's just the end of the daily updates based on what I'm seeing with my own eyes. Which, no matter what I, which way I put it, people are upset. What you should do is just make like a dramatic change, like just shift it, like one way or the other. Like something happened. We don't know what happened, but this is what I'm hearing. Stir the pot a little bit. Stir it up. Oh, oh so just make things up now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trubisky, <laughs> was, Trubisky was exceptional in walkthroughs on Monday. This is his competition now to lose. I thought that he looked amazing during individual drills before we were ushered off the field. Like, that's what I should write on Tuesday? <laughs> yes, yes, his warm-up was great. Uh, no, but there, there will be a better insight than that. I'll promise you that on NBCSportsChicago.com. John's, of course, on The Athletic, theathletic.com. You should be subscribed. Uh, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you do that. We got our risers and fallers. Up there, and I think people will be interested. Where Mister, uh, won't call him Fish, uh, the Fish Man anymore. It's called him the Fish Dad. A special congratulations to to Kevin Fishbane and and his wife on the 
the birth of their son. So I um, wanted to get that in there. But uh, Kevin and I have our risers and fallers in uh, on the athletic right now. So so you, you still made you still made Kevin right even though he yes. he uh, had a child. Yes, yes. I was texting him incessantly okay. like he does with me. But he was in the hospital. I'm like, I need this. Tell me what you think about Nick Foles now. No, we worked on so, it. So, like, you're one of those people that when, uh, <laughs> okay. when like, a, a football player has a child on a Sunday morning, they still better be there for kickoff at noon. Yes. Okay. Absolutely not. Sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Kevin's going to get a nice little break here again. Not the fish man anymore. He's the fish dad. The fish dad. Okay. Uh, we will have to update the, the nickname there. All right. Where should we start here? I guess... With the quarterbacks, uh, the scrimmage at Soldier Field. Can, can we was, not call it a scrimmage, though? Yeah, it was not really a scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I know what they're trying to do with the scripted plays. They want to see certain things, and you know maybe that does help the quarterback evaluation. But I don't know how you felt about it, Adam. But like, when the quarterback completes the ball twenty yards down the field, and then you got to bring it back for like a third and four, it just felt. I, I didn't like some of it. I get what they're trying to do, but. That's just my thoughts. I mean, I get, I understand like scripting special situations, and like maybe if you actually are in the red zone and you score a touchdown, you know, from the fifteen, that you say, "All right, great drive," but you know what? Let's throw in one more rep. We're gonna do a, we're gonna run this play from the two, you know, just so we can see. Like I get that, like throwing in some extra things, but and to hear Mitch Trubisky even say it after practice, like it's really hard to get in a rhythm and really show what you can do as a quarterback. So much of the quarterback position, and I wrote about this too, and what I wrote is based on instincts and getting, you know, reacting on the fly to things. And I just don't know how you can judge that if you're going to have a quarterback go out there and, okay, it's first and 10, you gain seven, and you back it up to second and 12. or you know, And that's not – they were just doing stuff like that the whole time. Again, I get like maybe do a quarter that way. But I thought that there should have been times where they just kind of went, say, hey, Nick Foles, this is your drive. Let's see what you can do. Yes, yes. Um, and by the way, I think this is worth pointing out at this point. Have the starters gone live at all? The only live action we've seen is now. There was, I think, one day where it was live goal line, or was that still thud? That was it's live look, goal line. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was one day, and then otherwise, when they did their quote unquote scrimmage a week ago, they went live with the threes, but never the ones and the twos. So I'm just, I think that's worth bringing up because we heard. We heard the coaches talk about how this year their starters were going to play in the preseason. Now, obviously, the preseason got wiped out, but you know, practice you can actually control things more than in a preseason game. I, I guess I'm just confused why we haven't seen more live, and I wasn't a huge fan of how this was whole all done at Soldier Field yesterday. Again, I understand it. They want to see certain things, especially with the quarterback. They want to see his footwork and timing and all that stuff within a given play. For a certain situation, whether that's third and two, fourth and one, second and eight, they, they had this thing all drawn up. Every single play of that scrimmage was scripted. What felt, to use the word rhythm, you know, quarterbacks find a rhythm. Like when you see Trubisky, you know, go RPO and complete a ball down the field for to Riley Ridley. This is like his first completion of the day. I'm like, oh, first down, nice play. Right in the numbers. 
Then you bring it back to third and two, and you're just like, oh, no. Like, it's just seeing them go back and forth. And then, then you would see, like, the like the third and one run. All of a sudden, it's like 20 yards down the field. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, it, it's fine. It, it's It's... Again, we're not football coaches. We understand what they're trying to do. Maybe it helps with their evaluation, specifically at quarterback. But in terms of trying to see a rhythm, trying to even establish a rapport amongst receivers and just everybody feeling good about what's going on, I, I felt it was lacking a bit. I think it's fair to say. I think it's totally fair. Um, in terms of what we saw from the quarterbacks, I, I actually thought overall it was a positive day. Um, there were certainly. I like that they took more deep shots. Like we actually, I don't think they hit one. I think part one of my other criticisms of the all camp is just like the amount of th- throws underneath, like the entire time. Um, they hit a couple deep, but it was an issue completing those. Uh, you had the Antonio Freeman. He did what play? Uh, where Marquis Christian sh- probably should have intercepted the ball and it bounced up in the air and Ted Ginn caught it and ran it in the rest of the way. You know what I'm talking about? That Monday night game with yeah. Antonio Freeman back in the day. Um, I actually thought that was a good... This is where I hate not having the tape because I actually thought that was a good ball by Nick Foles and Ted Ginn misplayed it, like kind of stopped his route short. Um, but without really being able to watch it again, that's like a, impossible to really say for sure. So I know I, I made note of his other deep balls to Mooney. One one felt short, which allowed the defensive back to to get in there, and the other one was like 15 yards long from Mooney, who who was quite fast and, and with the ball in his hands looks quite dangerous. But yeah, it was an overthrow I, from Nick Foles. I did point out in my observations the two plays you're talking about. Mooney got up slowly after that first one when he dove for it, and I'm not sure he was running at 100 percent when he went deep for the second one. So, again, without really being able to evaluate the throw again, it looked like an overthrow, but I do wonder, like, was Mooney's speed impacted there just in that moment? He looked open on that second one. Yeah, it looks like he could have hit him, but, yeah. No, either way, you got you got to see some of these these deep balls uh, completed more than they were, certainly. What did you make of Nagy pretty much dismissing both of the Mitch's interceptions. Yeah, that was uh, my question. I, the first one felt off to me just just in general, right? Like it would it looked like he threw the ball directly at Kyle Fuller. Did right. it not like like the whole like okay, I, I can hear the the Mitch haters out there. Well, you know what it's Mitch Trubisky. What else is he going to do? Well, if, if you watch the play like the whole thing seemed discombobulated. I think he was sacked, ran around a little bit, threw it up. His receiver, Reggie Davis, who probably is not going to make the team, wasn't running anymore. <laughs> but Kyle Fuller was ready. Into his hands, pick six. But the whole sequence of events of that play just felt off. And that's Trubisky running with the second-team offense. So Mitch threw two interceptions yesterday. Foles had zero. The second one was batted up in the air at the line of scrimmage. So that happens, and Kyle Fuller picked it off. I mean, that's not really... I guess unless Mitch was just throwing to a place that was not even open, which, again, without the film, you really can't tell. Uh, I don't really put that one on the quarterback. The first one was like a clear pick six. Like, if that had been a game, Kyle Fuller was going to the house. Uh, And by the way, as much as we were talking about the quarterbacks, we should probably point out that Kyle Fuller looked really, really good. And he was all over the field yesterday, and Nagy complimented him for an outstanding camp. So that is worth pointing out on the defensive side of the football, especially given the questions at cornerback on the other side of the field. 
Um, and I get what Nagy was saying. Nagy basically said, look, the play was a sack, and we've been getting on the quarterbacks to, you know, if a play's dead, still chuck the ball downfield so we can get the rest of the rep in uh, and see what happens. And we're not going to ding you if, you know, it's an interception, essentially. I still, like, have no idea where Mitch was going with the pass because, like you said, he threw it right to Kyle Fuller. But, again, you bring up a good point with the receiver. Like, he may have stopped the the play. Like, just because the quarterback kept going, maybe the receiver didn't. Like, it was discombobulated. And I I guess in the end, if Nagy's going to say, like, it wasn't that big of a deal, then I don't think we can really ding him for it. I think you just got to take it for what it's worth. Like, we, we all saw, like, everybody had stopped playing. And then Trubisky's running, he's throwing it up, right, Kyle Fuller. It's just, it is what it is. I don't think it's going to affect Trubisky at all in the, the quarterback grading system. Uh, I know some people saw that on Twitter, like, oh, Kyle Fuller picking off Mitch Trubisky, but, you know, he's throwing. Like, here, here's where I'm struggling with. It, this is this is a big point I'm struggling with in the quarterback uh, conversation, competition, whatever you want to call it, is you see Mitch Trubisky out there with a Reggie Davis, right? He, he's throwing the guys that aren't going to be on the team. The same applies to, to like, Nick Foles, right? Like, how are you grading these reps when they're, they're behind the second offensive line? The second offensive line is getting worked by Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn. And, like, how, how like are those snaps even graded? Is that – are those attempts to, to guys like, you know, Reggie Davis and Thomas Ives, do they really factor into what the quarterback competition is? Should they? There's, it just it's puzzling to me because we've seen these guys come in and out even even with the first team even when the starting offensive line is in there we've seen a Thomas Ives or Reggie Davis in there with the starters and when Mitch had his one bad stretch of practice or at least in the moment it looked bad it was like a stretch of five plays with the first interception there was a scramble sack play a couple snaps later. Then actually he came out at that point. I think that's where they switched. He came back in when he got his next series. Again, he's with the twos. He was with the twos. I guess my point is he was with the backups the whole time. That's when the second one got batted down, which again, behind that second team offensive line, they're going up against the ones. I couldn't see who batted it. Maybe it was Roy Robertson Harris and how tall he is. But that gets turned into an interception. And then the one time I think I turned over to you yesterday when things were just looking pretty bad for number 10. He had like that really late throw to the left side, and the receiver went up, kind of toe-tapped along the, the sideline, but here comes Eddie Jackson, an all-pro safety, flying in there and bats the ball out of his hand because the throw was so late. But again, sometimes, Johns, I honestly don't know if like we're making excuses for Trubisky or it's just kind of what was actually going on with him being out there with the backups. I think what I liked and why I ultimately gave Trubisky the edge yesterday is when he was with the starters, first of all, early in practice, there was a moment where it looked like a shot play, like a play that was designed to go deep, and he very quickly realized that Tariq Cohen was wide open underneath, basically uncovered. And he saw, like, he read the defense. That's what we're looking for, right? That's what everybody's looking for here. Uh, and he, he read it quickly. He realized Cohen was open. He got it to him. And that would have been a play where Tariq could have picked up, I don't know, 20, 30 yards uh, with how much space he had. And then later in practice, he had those two like deep outs to the left sideline, which he actually talked about after practice being like a throw that's been a problem for him in the past. Yeah, how about throwing the left outside the numbers? Like he, he acknowledged 
You, you yeah, right. <laughs> like I was shocked too. Like, well, he just said that. I was amazed when he said that. But uh, he had back-to-back throws outside the numbers to the left that were really well-thrown balls to Anthony Miller and Riley Ridley. So, you know, when it was all said and done, I thought Mitch actually had a good day. I thought he outplayed Nick Foles. I'm going through my notes right now, and there were a couple plays, not like big gains, but plays, at least from my vantage point, where I thought he went through his progressions, maybe one, two, and then three, and the ball's out. Um, whether protection was pretty good. There was a completion to Cole Komet crossing the middle. I don't think he was his first read, but he got to him. And it almost like when you, when I saw him throw the ball, this is where his mechanics and the motions, maybe this is the work with Jeff Christensen, his quarterback's coach, came out. Like, like it looked different. There was like a, a touch to it. You know, it wasn't like lobbed. It wasn't like fire, but it was just like a little touch pass over the middle, perfectly in the hands of Cole Komet, who, who kept running. There was one over the middle to, to Ted Ginn Jr. Where, where he settled in between the safeties, right? That was kind of early in practice. There, there were moments where I felt like, oh, there's some development. Like, that, that's a good throw. Uh, I even thought that his touchdown pass to, to, to Jimmy Graham, we can't, like, go into great detail how it played out, but it was just not a normal jump ball to, to, to Jimmy Graham for the touchdown. Like, there was a degree, degree of difficulty there um, that to see it put on the numbers, I thought that was – at least significant. Now, you know, Nick Foles fouled it up with a nice touchdown pass to Cole Komet. You know, I, I turned to you. I, I said, I think that's Nick Foles' best pass of the day, which happened to be his last pass of the day. But, yes, there there were moments that I don't think will be discussed about Trubisky where I feel like when that tape comes on, even with it being scripted, even with not him having rhythm, I think he could feel good about. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, like sort of in the middle of practice, I'm like, oh, this really isn't going well. But when you – get the full context. He realized he wasn't with the starters. He's going up against the number one defense, which look, you have to face a number one defense in the games, you know, might not be as good as the bears defense, but you're going to face good defenses. But still, I mean, you're, you're normally going to have, and here's the other thing too. And then maybe this is where we transition in other observations with in other areas of the team. But like there were times yesterday that I thought, the right side of the offensive line, and I'm talking about when the starters were out there, looked like a turnstile, and like these plays were being disrupted in like two, like less than two seconds. Yeah, but like Bobby Massey can't hit the guy; it's not live. You know what I mean? So it's really hard to judge. I mean, I hate getting back to the thing that we started with this, but the point is, like, if a play gets blown up by Barkevius Mingo, here's a name for you: that, that number seventy-five, Trayvon McSwain, had a sack at Trubisky. We went right around Bobby Massey. And you're just I've like, never what was even that? heard of that guy, by the way. <laughs> right here, number 75. I had to double check. <laughs> but, like, who do, you, who do you go up against, did you say? Bobby Massey. Okay, yeah. So, like, Bobby Massey looks like a turnstile. But he can't hit the guy. He can't give uh, Trayvon McSwain. You got it. A punch, like, right in the chest, you know, right off the snap. He can't. It, it's thud. It's not, it's not tackle football. And so I don't know. It's I just at some point I thought we'd see these guys really hit it out. I know they're scared about injuries. I know they have Allen Robinson out right now. I know they have uh Akeem Hicks out right now. And until we actually see those guys with our own eyes, I'm gonna continue to say those are a little alarming. I know they're downplaying them, but and they may very well be fine week one against the Lions, but it's it's still weird to me that we haven't seen them at all. Well, I thought we saw Robinson out there. Throwing some pregame stuff. At least I made note of him. Okay. There. But, like, 
when everybody's wearing their football pants and he's still in shorts, it's a telltale sign that he's not ready or he's going to right. be sitting out for a little bit longer here. Oh, and David Montgomery too, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Well, well Patterson, had, that, that touchdown run that he had, and they counted it as a touchdown, like one of the the few touchdown plays that they actually counted as a touchdown in the script. Yeah, that run to the right. Yeah. I don't think he was touched. Now, again, it was against twos. There's some guys who have played, uh, you know, live reps on defense out there before. Uh, if Montgomery misses week one, they are playing the Lions. Maybe they can survive. But I thought that was good just in terms of Patterson. It looked a bit more comfortable being a running back uh, on Saturday. Here's my thing about Cordero Patterson. This is why I'm skeptical. If you're running sort of a gadget type play where it's supposed to go like to one spot and you kind of know based on how the play is designed that that should be open right there, he's going to be fine and he may get you a big game. If you're talking about him being an actual running back that A, needs to block sometimes and B, when you get the handoff, like you need to read the blocks in front of you. Like we're talking about a zone scheme here. You got to be able to see what's in front of you. You got to have vision. You got to know which hole to hit. He's not a running back. And that's where, that's where I'm skeptical that like, can he get five carries a game? Sure. If you're asking him to carry the low with David Montgomery out, I just, I don't, I, I honestly, I'd rather see Ryan Null out there. I think Ryan Null, and Ryan Null had a great run Touchdown yesterday. run. Yeah, against some starters, and that was legitimate. Like the same thing about your you your what you said about Patterson. I agree that was a legitimate run. Sometimes those are hard to see. Knowles was also a legitimate run. He's got a little burst to him, and to me, he looks more like a guy that can. Um, he can't block well enough, I think, to play fullback, which is sometimes where he lines up. But I think he's good enough pass protector as a running back. Got enough burst to him. Kind of fit. To me, he fits more of like the real running back mold to me. That if David Montgomery's out and you got your options, uh, who's starting the game, who's getting the bulk of the carries against the Lions, I honestly think Ryan Null might be my pick. Yeah. Well, he's carried the load before. I mean, going back to, to college, that's, that's what he is. But oh, I don't want my comments about Patterson to be misconstrued here. I, I'm as skeptical as you. Before a day, I felt like he, he looked apart. Like, okay, this is maybe that long touchdown run is, is skewing things a bit for me, but there were some other runs. I'm like, oh, he hit that hole pretty hard. Like, it's a good five, six, seven yard gain. He's a big guy. Maybe it's eight or nine yards if someone can wrap him up right away. Like, I saw enough explosive plays to feel like, oh, they could get something out of this. Again, I don't think it's a long term thing. It's going to be things like his production, I think, will come in spurts, right? Like, five or six carries this game. Maybe eight carries that game, maybe two carries this game, maybe a 27-yard run another game. Like, it's going to have ebbs and flows to it. But you're right, in terms of replacing David Montgomery, it's going to be all hands on deck. Tariq Cohen, Patterson, Nall, maybe an activation for an Artavius Pierce who who got some with the ones by the end of the day. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, I think that's a real possibility. He actually looks okay. I like him on screens. Like, I... I Remember Amon Green for the the Packers? Oh, yeah. I always felt like he was such a good screen running back, right? Maybe because the, the Packers were just a good screen team back then. But I don't think, like, Jordan Howard was never a good screen running back, like a guy who could catch it and maneuver his way through the blocks. Pierce seems to have some of that to me. 
not Howard, but more Amon Green. I'm yeah. not saying he's going to be an all-pro, but he seems to have a good visual sense of what's happening once the ball in his hands and some blockers are out in front of him. I think someone's probably listening to this going, if we're talking about Ryan Null and Artavis Pierce. Bears are screwed. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, how much? How, <laughs> bears, those bears might be those might be our choices, but what does that mean for the team? I think I'm trying to fight a little bit of negativity with the entire offense, if that makes sense. Uh, and maybe look, the tight ends have been a very pleasant surprise. That is 100% positive. I think that whoever's out there at quarterback, I don't think either one's going to light up the world. I do think the quarterback play will be an improvement, at least a little bit, from what we saw last year. I think the tight ends will be a, be a, a big part of that. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll help a lot. Don't underestimate the, the impact of not having one viable tight end on the roster, like what that did to the offense. Did you see Trey Burton's hurt again, by the way? Oh, really? Yeah, he's hurt. I, I, oh, I just saw it on Twitter yesterday during the practice. Is it his, is his groin again? I don't know, but he's hurt. But okay. um, I don't mean to mock the guy, but that's part of the, the durability, the the team's lack of, you know, the best availability or the best ability's availability, as our, our friend John Fox would say. Yep. And, you know, that's why you had wholesale changes at the tight ends position. But who's stepping up at wide receiver? I think Riley Ridley looks Better actually, I think Javon Wims looks better too. Agreed. I think they're. I'd be. I'd still be surprised though if either one really turns into like a legitimate type of wide receiver that you're. Let's put it this way: that you're willing to start on your fantasy team. And you know what I mean? Put it like. I don't want, like Javon Wims has had some regular season success, but let's not, like, like. Nick Foles' big day on Wednesday, like the, the one thing that still bothers me about that is that the completions, like his best two completions, the ones that went to Wims down the left sideline for like, what, 35 yards, 40 yards, mm-hmm. and his touchdown throw to Riley Ridley came during a rotation at cornerback where rookie fifth-round pick Kendall Vildor is covering these guys one-on-one. They should beat him. They should get by him with a couple steps, and they did. Now, great balls by Nick Foles to, to, to recognize that and, and to, to make the completion, but let, let's see them against Do it that. against Kyle Fuller. Yes, yes. Oh, like, the, there's other good – like, the cornerbacks in Green Bay, like, there's good players in this division. Yeah. Kendall Vildor, you know, maybe one day. I don't know, but not right now. No, I think that's a – yeah, I think that's a fair point. So, I get – look, I think the defense looks great. Uh, worried about Akeem Hicks because we haven't seen him. Defense is obviously different without him. They can get by, but they're not going to be dominant if they don't have Akeem Hicks. Uh, and they don't have Eddie Goldman. But not too worried about the defense. I think that's overall been good. I think there's been a lot of positive si- signs. You kind of know what you have there. I think there are some subtle signs that the offense is going to be okay. I also think there's like some warning signs, though. That like Is this offensive line good enough? I wish I had preseason games. <laughs> I wish I wish yeah. I had something live to to really evaluate there. Our interview at yeah, live is is one thing. Our interview with Owen Krutz from a couple months ago, right? Like it has yeah. stuck with me, and him basically saying that you need a James Daniels or Cody Whitehair to take the next step to become Pro Bowl caliber, like a consistent Pro Bowl caliber player, has stuck with me. So I, I think James Daniels got better as the days went. 
but seeing Bobby Massey struggle, um, if Eddie's gonna gonna have his ups and downs, and, and uh, Charles Leno's been all right, but like, yeah, let's see him against the Vikings. Let's not see them against backups. And you're right in saying there's there's reasons for concern about what they could come to, to together to be. Let me put it this way, and we still got some time, obviously, before the Lions game. If you were to ask me, what do you think is more likely to happen, that the Bears light it up on offense against the Lions, or they come out and the reaction is more like, uh-oh. I think I'd lean more towards the uh-oh at this point. Is that fair? But I'm also qualifying that because it's hard. It's really hard, especially like the way they did practice yesterday. You can't really see the offense getting any type of rhythm when everything's scripted like that. Maybe it's just because Detroit's always been Detroit with me, and, and even like Trubisky's had tremendous success against them. It's not like the yeah. Packers primetime television week one, where expectations are, are sky high. Like I feel like they can handle. The Lions, like even this offensive line, for everything we just said, I feel like they can handle the Lions, like because they've done it. Trubisky's done it. This offensive line has done it. Now it's going to be a thirty-four point explosion, forty-point explosion, maybe not, but they can move the ball. To me, it's like later. It's it's it, maybe that's the, to the benefit of the offensive line. It's going up, up against like the Colts in Week Four, or you know maybe the rams in, in week 6 or 7 i forget what it is like when, when the teams get harder and the players the, the caliber of player gets more difficult to play against it's i don't know detroit to, to have them as your season opener like that's <laughs> i think it's beneficial for this offense still trying to figure itself out uh potentially i and i could be completely wrong about the lines maybe they're good this year well i just i don't think they're going to be a pushover especially with matthew stafford out there remember i mean david blau's not popping out there on Thanksgiving. You know, it's it's going to be Stafford, and I, I'm not saying the Lions are great, but I just, I don't know. I, I don't know about this. I guess what I'm saying is I don't know about this Bears offense. It, I, I really That's don't fair. know at this point. Let's take a quick time out to tell you about our friends at Fubo TV, which is a great option for you if, uh, if you're looking to cut the cord, you still want your sports, you could push for the family plan where three people can watch at once, or you stick with the base plan. The standard base plan gets you two screens at once, and uh, they're, they're giving you 15% off your first month. You have 30 hours of DVR. Your local broadcast is there. Look, we, we know it's times are tough still during this pandemic. You could save money. We know $50 is more affordable than other cable providers. And look, NBC Sports, Adam Hogue, it's there on the national feed. I am there on your national feed. I, yeah, I don't. Or locally. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm on your national feed. Mister Baseball, Mister Football. But NBC Sports is on your on your national feed. Hey, with the NFL season right around the corner, Fubo.tv will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com/athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com. Slash athletic, start your first month today. All right, Johns, I do want to. Uh, well, first of all, any other observations that you want to bring up? I thought Anthony Miller's, uh, him coming back and working with the first team uh, has been a positive sign. He needs to take that next step. Like, he needs to flirt with 1,000 yards this year. Darnell Mooney, his speed is there. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the Bears 
you know, find the, you know, get the ball in his hands because I think he's pretty dynamic. I, I've described him in, in an athletic article as it's, it's, it's Taylor Gabriel's speed, similar build, but he is more electrifying with, with the ball in his hands. Just seems to be a better playmaker that way. I, I definitely see a role coming for him with, with the uh, first team offense for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you've been paying attention to how many times we've been talking about deep shots, uh, with either quarterback, and uh, how many times we've mentioned that Mooney's on the receiving end of the end of those, whether they're completed or not, you should probably definitely take note of that. He's also had some drops, though. There's definitely been moments where you can see the coaches are trying to work on the details with him. They do rave about him and you know his knowledge of the playbook, which is impressive. Um, but still, he's a rookie, and there's going to be rookie moments. So yeah, it's, well, it's one of those like be excited about him, but still remember he's a rookie. There's going to be ebbs and flows to his season, playing time, snaps, all that stuff. It would not be a podcast without John's saying ebbs and flows. <laughs> I think I've said it three times. <laughs> I don't say it that much. We should do a, a segment called ebbs and flows and yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, real quick, before we get out of here, there was a big trade in the NFC North this morning, and uh, I thought it was significant. Yannick Ngakwe, a uh, Hogue Bears mock draft alum. Yannick Ngakwe, uh, player who later round guy that really blossomed for the Jaguars. The Jaguars don't know what they're doing. Oh my God! I mean, first what of all, they they trade away everybody who's decent on their defense. Think about they were they were so close to the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. Uh, now everybody's gone, and but here's the. I, I mean, I want to. I brought this up more to talk about the Vikings, but just quickly on the Jaguars, like. They could have traded him earlier this offseason and gotten more because the Vikings could have signed Ngakwe to an extension. And instead they waited. Now they can't do the extension because the franchise tag deadline already passed. So he's got to play on that tag no matter what. Now they may... uh, It's just just stupid business by the Jaguars to to handle this the way they did. But... Okay, so they're basically going to get a, a second-round pick out of it, and then there's a conditional pick uh, the following year. But look at it from the Vikings' perspective. If they lose Ngakwe at the end of the season of free agency because they can't sign him to a long-term deal right now, they're going to get a comp pick most likely. So that's going to cover that second draft pick that they are going to lose in the future. It's basically going to be a wash. So essentially they traded a second-round pick for a one-year rental at a position where if you look at where the Vikings are right now, they, and I've said this multiple times on this podcast, what a great offseason they've had because they were smart enough to realize they had to start rebuilding on that defense because guys were getting older. And so they let some veterans go. They had a million draft picks. They made some really good picks. Uh, They used that draft capital to their advantage. They're still using it to their advantage because now they just traded a second-round pick for a really good pass rusher that can now be opposite Daniil Hunter and like they're a factor. The the NFC North is wide open right now and in a rebuilding year for the Vikings. Yeah, they don't have Stefan Diggs and there's going to be some issues there, but they, they still have Dalvin Cook. They still have a good functioning offense with Kirk your guy Kirk Cousins. Look, I don't think that they're a real Super Bowl contender, but they're a problem for the Chicago Bears as we sit here going into September. Absolutely. I I have a piece coming out that I did for the national side for, for the athletic where I talked to a couple of scouts about the NFC North and you and I have been, I believe relatively fair with them because they've had so many changes. They got new two, two new cornerbacks coming in, but people around the league are high, still very high 
on what they've built here. People like their draft. Uh, I have to revisit with these scouts now after this big trade, but now you got two legitimate pass rushers. They're built very solidly down the middle of that defense. Sure, questions of cornerbacks, but down the middle, very good, very good. Diggs, people seem to be shrugging that off more than, than I thought. Uh, they're a good team, and for as bullish as we may sound on the Bears, the Vikings still are more proven, and they're better. And, and I know there's here's ebbs and flows to the Mike Zimmer regime. Like One good year is never really followed up with another good year, if you look at his history, but they seem to be built to actually build on what they did last year. Like I'm, I'm more high in them now than I was maybe a few weeks ago. Well, I really already felt like after the draft that they're going to be real contenders by 2021. They've put themselves in position now where if they're rookies at corner and wide receiver uh, and on that offensive line too, which was a need, but they dressed all that in the draft. So they got a, they're, they're young at those spots, but if those guys take off quickly – and that's a big if because it's the NFL. And there's we just talked about rookie struggles. They're they're the ebbs and flows of rookies. Um, which one's more positive? Are the ebbs or the flows positive? The ebbs. Okay, so if there's if there's more <laughs> ebbs than flows for those Vikings rookies, uh, they may very well win the NFC North. It's possible. Um, otherwise, they're probably going to be. I still think they'll be better than the Lions, but sort of like the like the Lions are not going to be a pushover this year. I just said that you know a few minutes ago. It's the same thing. You know, all these games that the Bears play in the NFC North this year are going to be tough. Uh, I think the Packers are set for regression, but they're still the Packers, and they have the Bears number, and they have Aaron Rodgers. So the um, general sense I got still talking to scouts, it's it's they would actually characterize it as a three team race in the division, but the questions at quarterback. My guy, Kirk Cousins, is still more proven than what the Bears have going right now in their competition. Even with Nick Foles being a Super Bowl MVP, but again, hasn't really distinguished himself in this battle with Mitch Trubisky. It's funny that, like, who do you trust more, Kirk Cousins or Mitch Trubisky? Cousins. Cousins. Yeah, to operate and run your offense, specifically up there in Minnesota. It's a quarterback-friendly system. They don't put everything on the quarterback. A lot of play action, rely on the running back, which is what the Bears maybe should be doing. Honestly, it's a scheme that would that Mitch would probably operate better in. However, if you're still going to ask me if the Bears are, and Vikings are playing on Monday Night Football, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, like I'm probably going to take I'm, Mitch. I'm, I'm going Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, so it's funny, but, but that's the division. Yeah, it's it's, and then the Lions are the Lions, but uh, we'll see. Well, well, maybe we'll bring that up next uh, in, in a few days. We'll revisit. That once the, that story is published, a lot of interesting well, stuff though. Well, hey, look, we got one more week of uh, practices. They're closing the media, so the observations are kind of over. But um, I'm sure there'll be some news. Uh, oh, real quick, what we should discuss. So uh, the quarterback situation. So Nagy basically said, "Don't expect to hear who the quarterback is." Did you read that as the actual game or game week? Because I thought it was a little unclear. Unclear. Yeah. I read it as the actual game. Okay. Um, well, I mean, that's what he said. I just wondered if he meant game week. Now, like, like he, he later indicated that the decisions can be made after this week, and Trubisky seems to feel like the decisions will be made after this coming. Yeah, week. Like I think. After I think they're. 
I think they're breaking after Thursday's practice for Labor Day weekend like they normally do. And when they reconvene, whether it's – we don't know if it's going to be Sunday or on Monday of Labor Day. There's usually that, like, extra practice. Then they get into their typical Wednesday, Thursday, Friday game week routine. Um, But I think when they come back after those couple days off Labor Day weekend, they're going to have their starting quarterback. Yes. That's what I think. They may want to play a little game and ship it in – keep that secret from Matt Patricia's crew, but it's going to be very unique to see how they do that because I would imagine the that whole week will be spent with one quarterback getting them in, like all the snaps with, with the first team. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot, there's a lot of players with a lot of agents and a lot of friends. It just seems to, we'll see how good they are at concealing their decision. Yeah. That's why I'm not convinced that it's really going to be like a situation where, we're watching warm-ups in Detroit, and that's where we're figuring out who the starter is. I don't know. Um, anyway, we should get out of here. Training camp's over, just like that, basically. It's weird. How'd that happen? Snap of a finger. Wow. Um, anyway, can't wait till next week when we're actually talking about you know an actual football game. But uh, we'll be back later this week with more. Might have a special guest coming in your way we're working on. Uh, So you can look forward to that. Follow us on Twitter on the meantime, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. QB observations up, NBCSportsChicago.com. All Johns' coverage uh, from yesterday at the scrimmage, uh, not including. Oh, no, it somehow did include the fish dad. The fish dad. The fish dad. But uh, that's all up there on The Athletic. You should be subscribed. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you do that. You get 40% off. Go do it right now. Uh, Please rate and review the podcast, too. We appreciate you. Appreciate our listeners, and we thank you for spreading the word, helping us out. Tell your friends. New season coming up. There's got to be more Bears fans you know that should be listening to this podcast. So tell them. Word of mouth is awesome. Thank you, guys. Talk to you later in the week. See ya. Ebbs and flows, and yes, yes, yes.